The in-studio videotaped version of this podcast is available on YouTube. Just type in David Trapella at A Quiet Place. Please be sure and hit the subscribe button and ring the bell for future notifications. Shh. It's time to let go. Release the burdens brought on by life when you simply want to be free. You are a blinding beam of light and you deserve to be free. You are always welcome here. It's time to be quite honest. Good afternoon. I have the pleasure of being here with Angela Smith on this lovely cloudy stormy day with this awesome background of the earth behind Angela. And so welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, I, you know, when we met a couple of months ago, what did I say to you when I met you? What did I say to you? <laughs> you were so beautiful. You were such a beautiful spirit. And so I've just been connected with you ever since. And then when you did the Tesla presentation at the Austin Women's Club last month, I was just like, you know, there's something unique about you. And then I got your bio. So now I want to share with the world who you are, because I think it's incredibly special. And I'm going to really share it the way you wrote it, because I think it was so creative and so precious. So who is Angela Smith? She's a native Texan who grew up in Beaumont. Her first life defining experience came when she flunked Jello, making it in seventh grade. I so love that. On the advice of her home ec teacher, she went to another direction and took up journalism and music, which to this day has served her better than cooking. Her current culinary expertise is limited to opening a bag of Cheetos. So I know never to come to your house for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) A graduate of the University of North Texas, she was the first female editor-in-chief of the daily newspaper. Until then, only male students were allowed to be the editor because of the 1050 curfew for women. She took on the Dean of Women and won the battle not only for herself, but for other women who were serving in the post in the future. The day after she got her degree, she went to work for the Associated Press and was assigned to the Capitol Press Corps to cover LBJ and his administration. After leaving the Associated Press, she went into educational public relations and then served for nine years as executive director of the Writers League of Texas. She now proudly holds the title of executive director emeritus, which she describes as a cushy job with no responsibility other than to act like the queen mother. So appropriate. Today, she spends most of her time working on a freelance, as a freelance writer and editor and nonprofit management consultant. She also serves on the boards of several organizations and is an outspoken advocate for the arts and women's rights. Her most recent two books are Steel Drums and Steel Bands, A History and Women Drummers, and the other one is A History from Rock and Jazz to Blues and Country, which is the basis for a documentary titled Chicks with Sticks. She's involved in lots of music activities and plays the steel drums, the cello, the piano, and hammered dulcimer. I'm sorry, you can't play them all at the same time. (laughs) She's also an avid amateur astronomer and loves helping others take that first look through a telescope eyepiece 
to see the rings of Saturn and light from galaxies that's traveled from millions of light years away. Her most recent adventure was being cast in a PBS movie on women's suffrage called Citizens at Last, scheduled to air on the anniversary this year of the women's vote. Angela's philosophy of life is that every day is another chance to get it right. But I think it's grander than that. And I have to say that after reading your bio and spending time with you as I have, I've realized that you're not just a voice for women and the changes for women, but I believe that you're also a voice for those people that maybe have not been brought to the light, like our present person that we're going to talk about today. Am I right about that? You might be about right about that. So what brought you to wanting to do Tesla's presentation to the women's organization last month? Well, it was assigned to me <laughs> as a part of the American History Club. You're assigned top topics to speak on. And for some reason, they decided to assign me the subject of Nikola Tesla. Okay. But well, that makes perfect out, sense. He turned out to be such a fascinating topic that I've continued doing research on him. And I may actually write another book. Well, you know, that's interesting that you've even brought that up because, you know, the more and more I looked into all the other research that was out there other than what you gave me, it was the second time that I've come into Mark Twain being so instrumental in history back in the late 1800s when, as far as I was concerned, the only thing Mark Twain ever did was Huckleberry Finn. And so to all of a sudden realize that not only did he have a part to play with Tesla, but he also had a part to play with this very first book that had to do with his journey to Israel and actually visiting Jerusalem and seeing where it was what? in the level of history to come back. And that's what precipitated him writing that first book. So I just, um, I think it's interesting that you and I have connected, but more importantly that we're actually kind of researching in the same circles. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very thankful that I was assigned that topic because it opened up a whole new area of interest for me. Well, I think for me, you know, especially because he came from Croatia, that here we have a gentleman that's from another country that really started out as a intuitive visionary. You know, he got little things when he was younger um, and then started to really grow from that, especially because his father took away the candles that he was using to read by at <laughs> night, which, you know, in some in some ways, I kind of feel like that was a door opening to say, it's all well and good for you to do this research, but what would happen if you expanded your own consciousness? And by That's, taking that light away, he then had to do that. That's exactly right. When he was, he was creative and had the, the good sense to know he could make his own light. So, when his father took his candles away, he just started collecting scraps of wax to make his own candles. And he was also clever enough to know that he couldn't let that light creep out through the door, so he put bed sheets and rags 
to cover up the light. That's exactly right. Exactly right. You know, there's a, there's a little bit of information that I got when I was researching outside of what you wrote. It said a man of mystery, but one that helped light the world and brought power to the people. Maybe the first geek gifted beyond our imagination at a time where people like Thomas Edison or even Westinghouse took advantage of a foreigner who truly helped change our country and our world. When he was born, his mother even stated that he would be a child of light. Who would have known what that meant at the moment in time? But many of us believe that Tesla automobile was designed by Nikola Tesla. And Tesla Motors was founded in 2003 by engineers Martin Eberhard and Mark Tarpenning. But they actually listed or named the car Tesla out of tribute to Nikola. And so when we take a look, when I questioned people and said, do you know who Nikola Tesla? Oh, yeah, the Tesla car. No. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. So exactly. I really... I Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I think Tesla actually would have been proud of the fact that his name was on an electric car. Absolutely. At least his name was on something. <laughs> There's a whole lot of conversation about what he created, but very few times do you ever see his name actually on something. Yeah. And it's really, really sad. In fact, that's one thing that's, that's really fascinated me. The fact that, it was almost 70 years after his death before anyone even recognized what he had done. He was just, he was completely forgotten for 70 years. But no credit for, for all these amazing ideas, for all the visionary stuff that he came up with. Yeah, but... I mean, take a look at the number of people, the artists that were a long time ago, where they did this incredible work and then it was never really appreciated until many years down the road. Um, music is another one. It's you know, true. look at how many people have passed and all of a sudden somebody's going, oh, that guy wrote that music? Oh, I didn't realize that. And then all of a sudden you realize he's passed on and you never got to appreciate him the same way. You know, he was, he was such a great futurist. And the fact that he was a futurist destroyed his credibility in the last years of his life. In 1900, Tesla wrote an article in Century Magazine, which almost completely destroyed his credibility. And in that article, he discussed the danger of air and water pollution. He talked about artificial intelligence. He cited the need to look for alternative sources of energy, such as geothermal, wind, and solar. And all of his peers thought, this man is crazy. None of this stuff <laughs> has any basis in reality. None of this could find, you could, could, could possibly work. Also, his, his great focus on creating wireless transmission for communication was also laughed at. That the people just didn't think it was feasible or it was possible. So do you think that that's because he didn't have 
um, a strong enough support system? Because if you take a look at Edison and his partner and the money he had behind him versus Tesla, who struggled with getting the support necessary all the way from Croatia to the United States, you know, sometimes you and I both know that, you know, you can't get a book published unless you've got some sort of a connection, although you can put it on Amazon, you can put it on all sorts of places. But, you know, I know from just talking to Cindy Stone, there are ways that you have to go to get a book published that provides the integrity or at least someone that can help you through sure. that system. Well, I think that that in everything I've looked at was lacking in Tesla. But I still say that I think it's because he was so intelligent. He was such, you know, my, my son was the one that said he was such a futurist, as you said. And even though he had the, the physicist essence about him and the engineering, both mechanical and, and electrical, there was still this whole um, design intuitively of things that he could see, that he could feel, that he knew was to happen, but much like even Edgar Casey. Look at Edgar Casey, who struggled for so long in being recognized. And now all of a sudden, people are really paying attention to what he wrote. You know, um, and so I think that, you know, look how many times somebody goes, gosh, I wish I had that clap button that turns the light on. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, somebody's created it. You know, was he the, was he the artist of the world that needed to transition? Or was he the artist and part of the builder? I think it, it, this, is, it, this brings up an interesting comparison between, between Tesla and Edison. Edison believed that invention was 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. And Tesla thought just the opposite, that it was 1% perspiration and 99% inspiration. But in things that I read, it was saying that Tesla was into math. Yes, he was. Versus Edison was more into kind of stepping back and feeling what needed to be exactly, done. Exactly. So but, what does that say mentally about somebody that is more left brain than right brain? Yeah. You know, I, I think that there's a yin and yang with Tesla yeah. and Edison, and I'm sorry that that didn't go the way that it needed to be created because I think they were two egocentric individuals. I think that's true as and, well. Um, and yet, what a shame for yeah. the two of them not to co-create probably faster, but more yeah. importantly, larger. And as it is, what they, they you know, the, the direct current and the alternating current, now they're used together. Right. So that's they have exactly actually right. merged. That's exactly right. The yin and, and yang. Yeah. Yes, exactly sad that, that, that they didn't realize that. Well, the time. I mean, take a look at the times. You know, it was very um, immature or elementary, I think maybe is another way of saying that. Um, that um, I see it even in today's time where people want recognition 
for what they may have gotten from somebody else, but they put their name on it and they put it out there and they expand from that. I think we all do that. We, we pull, mm -hmm. we pull from different people that really inspire us. And yet when it comes down to the bottom line, um, we want recognition for it instead of looking at, like Tesla said, I don't care about the recognition. I care about whether people dream and create. Exactly. Which I think he is didn't care. huge. He did not care if people stole his ideas. He did care if they didn't have any ideas of their own. That's exactly right. And I think that made him the difference between who he is and what we now see as who he is. Uh, we all know who Edison was, or we all know what we think about Edison. Yeah. Um, but, you know, after your presentation that day, I, you know, I walked up to you and I said, I want to do this as a podcast because the truth is the majority of us don't really know who Nikola Tesla is and somebody needs yeah. to speak up for him. I agree. Yeah. I just, um, I just think he's so incredible and help well, me ima ahead. imagine a world without electric light motors pumps fans refrigerators elevators microwaves lasers remote control x-rays cell phones radio robotics radio radar lasers television computers internet <laughs> the list just goes on and on and on and it was all because of his vision right you know he saw all these things that's exactly right. He saw all these things. And, and but, but in one of the things, I wanted to come back to the x-ray conversation, because one of the things that I read, um, even as early as today, was that although he had had this whole conversation with Edison about the x-ray, um, he stepped back from it because he was concerned about it, and yet he created other elements that were, militarily used where Edison said, I don't want to design anything that can kill somebody. But Tesla came over here and created things that would help the military. Well, the truth be known, if we stop and think about electricity, you can sure kill yourself with electricity. <laughs> in fact, one of the things that Edison did to, to, uh, his partner. Compete, yeah. Compete with Tesla was to point out a demonstration where someone was killed in an electric chair in, in a New York prison. Right. <laughs> well, not only that, but he, Edison and so he his... Was, he was trying to point out the dangers. That's right. The AC. That's right. But at the same time, Edison and his associate or his helper, Edison used him and himself in testing x-ray which is actually what killed his assistant Right, yeah. was just the overuse of trying to see what the body would do. And, and Tesla was actually the first to say that he thought x-rays could be harmful. Yeah. I still believe that. <laughs> I feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about eugenics. Okay. Are you familiar with that? Yes. You know, that was something that he, that Tesla actually, you know, um, he was a proponent for. Yes, and he was. So, he, was know, convinced, he was convinced that some people weren't fit to produce offspring. 
And in the 1930s, he expressed the belief that the forced sterilization of criminals and the mentally ill, which was occurring in, in some parts of the, of, the, of the world, especially Nazi Germany, wasn't going far enough. And he honestly believed that in the future, eugenics would be universally established as a system for weeding out undesirable people from the population. And it's sad. He was anti-Semitic. Really? He, yes. And he also hated grocery men and drummers. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. This is more research that I've discovered about him. <laughs> well, I know he's a germaphobe. Yeah, oh, definitely. But, yeah, but, and he had all sorts of desire to be uh, adored. You yes. know, if you take a look at the history, he definitely. always wanted to look good. He oh, always yeah. wanted people to be attracted to him. Had to have pictures taken just using his right. There we go. Okay, we're back on. So, you know, I think that... Uh, Maybe he was a little bit of a narcissist. Oh, very much a narcissist. Yeah, never been married. Believed yeah. that if you got married, it would screw up your ability yeah. to create. Gave yeah. upset, you know, after the age of 40. Just <laughs> Well, and it, it probably is, um, it's sad that anybody with that kind of intelligence, I mean, look at his mom, who was incredibly intelligent, and his mm -hmm. father that was a writer, that's what he got his bent for invention from his mom. From his yeah. Mom. So yeah. what would have happened if he'd had children that could have been just as intelligent to continue on with his work? Yeah, that's sad. I don't ever want to see, you know, that anybody feels like it's more necessary to be alone to create than yeah. it is to, you know, live a, a passionate life with whatever, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a full-time partner, but someone that inspires you, empowers you. I, I also discovered he had another inspiration in his life besides his mother and father. It was the family cat. <laughs> well, it was also a bird. Yeah, well, the, no, this is when he was a young child. Oh. When he was a young child, he had a pet cat, and when he was petting the cat, he noticed these prickly little sparks that sprang from the cat's fur. And those little shocks of static, and then seeing lightning across the sky, made him wonder if nature wasn't just one giant cat. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, but I can see where he'd be fascinated by the, by the electricity that comes off a cat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I do know that one of the things I read is that you never wanted to stand next to Tesla in a lightning storm. No. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but it could just be that his whole energetic field was such And he that, loved to do double exposures where he would be sitting there and lightning would be all around him. <laughs> oh, really? So tell me about this bird. Well, the bird was his great love of his life. It was a pigeon. He had this... this for pigeons and he would go to the this park outside his hotel in New York and and if he saw an alien pigeon he would take it home with him but there was one pigeon that stole his heart 
and he actually wrote about that pigeon as if it were a woman. Saying yeah, that's it what he said. He loved it as if it were a woman. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was the love of his life. And it's really interesting because when that pigeon came to him one day, she was about to die, and he knew that he was going to die. He actually died six months after. Really? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I mean, that pigeon was the most important thing in his life because all of his, the friends that he'd had when he was very much part of the, the New York high society circle had pretty much deserted him in his mm -hmm. last years. Is that because he really had no money and no stature? Had no money and no stature. No, after the, the failure of his, he built a, a, another laboratory or a tower right. in, in Long Island. And after that failed because he couldn't get any more funding from, from J.P. Morgan, then he just, he just sort of became a rec recluse. Is that he the just, one where it burned? It burned no, down or is it different? No, he, this one, he, had to, he was forced to tear it down. Okay. Well, so why do you think that the FBI came into his room the day he died? Oh, they were eager to get his, his papers because they felt, especially he, he had supposedly developed this death ray. Right. And they thought they could be used in military uh, purposes. Okay. And the, the, the thing is, is that most of his papers after he died were taken by his nephew back to Belgrade. And they ended up behind the Iron Curtain. So Western historians had no access to those papers. And that's probably another reason why we didn't know that much about him. Because all of his papers were behind the Iron Yeah. So who has them now? They're still in Belgrade. With the family? The museum, they, they, they have a Tesla museum. Really? Oh, yes, and it's got, it, it, the, the museum that should be in the United States is. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Okay. Very, very interesting. But they, have, they, but they are there. Everyone knows who Tesla is. They have Tesla streets. They have Tesla buildings. They, everything is named after Tesla there because he's considered a hero of that country. So, you know, in some of the things that I've read, they said he created the light bulb, which is not true. No. Um, but some of the writings say, oh, he's done this and he's done that. He's done a portion of the design. He did the AC part where Edison did. That's the true. Part. And Edison did a multitude of tests over and over and over again with the light bulb before he finally was able to secure what needed to be done. But even with Tesla and Edison, what I've learned with all the other people that have gone after them is just like anything else, kind of like the internet or the computers, you bring in more geeks and the technical aspects of what you originally designed gets expanded. Yeah, there's no question about that. I read something that Robert, and I'm going to hope I pronounce his last name right, Robert Heinlein said, 
Inventions are made in the context of scientific and engineering understanding. Individuals move forward, some faster than others, but in the end, the most intelligent person in the world can't invent the light bulb if the foundation for it isn't there. So true. And I think that's who Tesla is. That's, uh, that's the way I look at him as well. He laid the foundation. Absolutely. He laid the foundation for so many things. Well, and I think that as we take a look at, and I'm going to shift gears for a second, having to do with all this COVID, but the truth is you take a look at the electromagnetics that are going on in the earth since everybody's in quarantine. Is there such a balance? There's, there's also a vibration that's gone down that we're not used to. And so when people go, I can't even remember what day it is. I, I can't even tell you what the date is, is that we're not at that high pace frequency. We're not up there creating and designing and doing all this stuff. Now all of a sudden somebody's let the air out of our balloon and we're like down here. You're right. <laughs> and so maybe, maybe the message in all of this is that we take a look at the foundational aspects of not only the gift of the earth, but to really go back to foundational efforts. No different than what Tesla did. Stop and listen. Stop and hear what's being inspired and created within you. So that maybe we, yeah, so that when we come out of this, we create it more artistically from love. We create it more through writing by truth and that we empower and inspire people to really say, okay, I'm now going to work my purpose. And I think that for me was Tesla's message is, you know, do something, get creative. Um, you don't have to have your name on it to make a difference and never stop trying. Amen, sister. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Yes. So, I. What else do you want to say about Mr. Nikola Tesla? Just that I want him to be recognized. You know, I think he's another one of those persons who who people don't know about, and who people really need to know about. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Right now, I'm. Um, listening to a, a video series having to do with the Oracle. And it is the story from 1867 to now um, in regards to all the different players and all the different people of the world that helped with not only um, Jerusalem that was, um, or Israel that was completely desolate, but over the 2000 years, the people that were brought in to then start telling the story and bring the realization of the Jewish people coming back to Jerusalem and to um, give them back Israel. And I just think it's so interesting because the very first video I was listening to talked about Mark Twain. I'm like, Mark Twain. <laughs> 
<laughs> he had something to do with all this. And so I just think it's extremely interesting. Even back then, I don't know that we really knew who he was. But then all of a sudden I get into Tesla and I Google today, what was the relationship between Twain and Tesla? And it was Twain that he used that machine on. Remember yes. the vibrational machine? That's right. Bring that up for a second. He literally, you know. <laughs> Scared the poop out of him. Scared the poop out of him. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was some sort of a plate or something energetically that he stood on, right? That's right. An oscillator. Yeah. Well. He stood on a platform over an oscillator and it was vib and it vibrated. Well. It relaxed those muscles. <laughs> it definitely relaxed those muscles. But maybe, maybe we should do that more often. <laughs> but before then, Mark Twain had actually gone to Tesla and said that he wanted to market this oscillator. And he was going to actually go to Europe and market it for Tesla. Ah. But then after, doing, after standing on the oscillator himself, he decided, no, I'll let somebody else market it. <laughs> How funny. Well, I just, you know, I think that um, my next venture after Tesla is Mark Twain, is to really <laughs> research who he yeah, is and what difference he made in the gifts that he gave, not just in Huckleberry you know. Finn. Yeah. So thank you for that. I really appreciate that. But I want to shift gears for a second and ask you, and I, this is not about Tesla, but it is about how are you feeling about the quarantine? Because I know it's not been easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. In fact, I had to go through a 14-day quarantine because I was exposed to the virus. But made it through it okay. And uh, really, the, the most difficult part of it has been, for me, has been eating the healthy food prepared by my husband. <laughs> I don't cook at all. And my husband is a vegetarian. And I'm a fast food and junk food addict. So going, so through, going through fast food withdrawal has been not a pretty picture. <laughs> <laughs> that could be part of your journey, honey. Because <laughs> I know that in looking at everything, um, because I, I do take a look at nutrition and I do take a look at how that affects our vibration and our balance and our immune system is that the more we can eat healthy, the more we can eat organic, the more we can mm -hmm. uh, just get back to where we should be, you know, just getting back to natural things. And I understand that you love junk food and you love fast <laughs> food, you know, but at the same, that could be why you have such a good immune system, but you didn't hear me say that, but, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I know that part of the reason you didn't, get it even though you're exposed to it is that your vibration your energy is so high and that's part of the gift of people staying positive staying up um, living a life that really makes a difference and that's what you do yeah you know I miss being out with my friends especially as a musician I miss making music with my friends Absolutely. And that's really hard. 
You know, we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago with uh, Dr. Becker and his nurse, and they're both musicians. And uh, so we not only got into the conversation about the virus and what we needed to do, but creative things that musicians and artists can do in the Austin area or even anywhere in the world where we get creative based on our gifts that we can do online. And it can be for people that are searching, that are wanting to be educated, that want just to play or to really enjoy the music world. And I know that there's been awesome, awesome moments in time where people have gotten online and done some outrageous stuff. And, you know, I'm still going to say that down the road. Yeah. Great creativity. Oh, it's huge. And, and I think that the other thing, Angela, is some of these people would have never been heard if they hadn't done it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Again, it goes back to that foundation. Yes. We're just, we're finding all kinds of new ways to exist. Yeah. And so in a way, I'm thankful that this has happened. I'm not thankful for the, I'm not thankful for the, (laughs) for the negative stuff it's associated with and I'm certainly don't, don't wish it on anyone no no but I do know, understand what you mean but what I mean is that there has been something positive that has come out of it there is no question about that and even with folks that have been sick the humbleness that has occurred and the sharing right. um, to say you really just need to stay home until things kind of die mm-hmm. down and um and unfortunately i think for kids they're learning that they're not bulletproof um because kids have gotten this and um i know that in talking to my son some of his friends just really didn't believe it that they would get the virus because the media starting out was that it's for older people and then all of a sudden it changed gears and it it showed up differently here in the United States. And for that, I'm grateful for the opportunity for all of us to learn more about our own body and our own immune system. Um, it too is vibrational. It too is affected by the electromagnetics of the earth, um, just like what Tesla said. And so I do think that um, I'm unsure about the future but I'm not um, lacking faith that the changes that we can make within ourselves and with our family and our friends in our jobs, they're all going to be different. And I hope that they're more real and come from love and that even the employers take a look differently at how um, the success of their operation can be done from home. Um, which actually gives more quality time for kids. I had somebody send me an email that said, you know, the leaders of tomorrow are going to come out of this. The educational opportunities for kids are that teachers are not having to be tested. The kids are not having to be tested. And so the creativity of what should have been brought back into education is coming back in. And for that, I say yay. Because kids are not only learning differently, mm-hmm. but they're spending more time at home. I'll second that. Yay. <laughs> yeah. So, well, 
I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to this conversation, but I so appreciate Angela, not only who you are, who you have been to many voices that were not being heard. I have to giggle about your whole experience of challenging the Dean of the university because I did that at Southwest Texas. So I really do understand that. Um, yeah. Um, but I've also done it for women that, um, have been abused so I really do understand that and I thank you for that so if there's nothing else more that you want to add I want to say thank you and thank you for asking me to do this well Angela Smith you are just such a joy and such a light and I just think what your background is it's even more incredible so I thank you for that. so this is Sarah Bush and Angela Smith and we say God bless and take care You're listening to Quite Honest with Sarah Bush and David Drupella. For more content, videos, and information, visit us on the web at aquietplace.net or go to our YouTube channel and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications. You can also find David Drupella and Sarah Bush on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And also visit Sarah at her current website, thecorefoundations.com.